0: Good evening, everybody, and thank you to the Norwegian Chamber for organising this wonderful event and the sponsors, we will recognise shortly, and also the Seven Software for this very elaborate office and wonderful reading area. I'd like to uh, welcome, first of all, uh, the Vice President of the Thai Norwegian Chamber of Commerce, Ms. Mies- Mie beke who is going to welcome us all here. Please.
1: Oh you had the microphone already. So welcome everybody. It's uh, amazing to see so many people on our very first event after COVID or we're still in COVID uh, time but this is uh, our first event. Uh, we had expected uh, some 30-40 people to show up and on the list it says 72 that signed up so this is exciting. Um, when we decide to time this event, it's because um, those that work in Europe, they, of course, know about the GDPR and the regulations that are involved in that. For the Thai members who are not working with Europe and that now are listening to the PDPA, you know, it's kind of difficult to remember all these uh, acronyms that we have, but for the PDPA, we will face challenges. And I would say especially for the SME, they will face challenges. So in today's event, what we're trying to do, we're trying to not make it too serious, not too technical. But we would like to make it an event where we put a few feelers out and we say, did you know? Are you prepared? Have you done so and so? Now, it should be a uh, panel discussion first. We have uh, people from Norway here, speakers from Norway, from... Uh, Singapore slash Australia, we have uh, legal firms here, so it will be a very interesting session. But please, afterwards, ask questions, because that's going to be very important. Um, Thai Chamber of Commerce is a small chamber, but we are part of a uh, group that's called Joint Foreign Chamber of Commerce in Thailand, which has 34 chambers and members. We may be small, but I think we have a big footprint and we have a strong voice. And I think working together as small chambers, which we do today, there's a lot of the smaller ones there, but also some of the bigger ones. We can make we can have a voice and we can make a difference. There's a few companies that I would like to say thank you to because without them we would not be where we are today. It's our
2: premium members and sponsors: Jochen Silent,
1: Norwegian Seafood Council. Yara, Abel, Seven Peaks Software, our host today. I'm gonna stop now and ask for a big applaud for Seven Peaks. (laughs) Without these members, we would not be able to function as a chamber, and particularly during these challenging times of COVID. So thank you to them, and also thank you to all of you for coming here today. I'm gonna pass the mic back to Bob Fox, he is the chairman of the um, Educate, no, not the <laughs> <Yeah,
3: laughs>
1: <Well>, from, <laughs> from the ICT, Digital Economy and ICT of for Chamber of Commerce. And he has in-depth knowledge on the, this
0: subject. So, Bob, please. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca. We have a big agenda today. And we're going to learn about the world of the Personal Data Protection Regime in Thailand. Is Thank um, sorry. Thanks. The Personal Data Protection Regime in Thailand, uh, which has been informed a lot by the European uh, GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation which came into force in May 2018. So, we have been looking forward to our own data protection regime here in Thailand. It's been a long time coming. We're going to see in a minute a bit of a timeline before we get into this. Let me just do a bit of housekeeping. Um, the the DA is essentially about data protection, not about privacy as such. So when we talk about protection, then security becomes a very really important point. So we're going to learn about what it actually means, and especially for SMEs. We know, and we're going to see some of the problems associated with the current situation. We know that the full set of subsidiary rules, or generally called regulations, are not ready yet. Uh, our speakers are going to share what are relevant key learning points from four years of our experience and how the PDPA here in Thailand will be, um, will be applicable. During the session, you can ask questions through the pigeonhole app, and there should be a little handout per table that shows you how to do the pigeonhole app. Um, it's not a login, it's a very simple uh, something that appears on your screen, so please use your own devices. Uh, you'll have to use your own 4G or 5G network um, rather than Wi Fi here. So, you can post the questions at any time, so while all that fresh in your mind, please post them. If you see a question that you like, you can upload it, but we will deal with those questions later, not exactly at the time you ask them. i just go through the uh, agenda briefly. Yes, no, the agenda. So the agenda is going to be uh, the speaking presentations, two from Kilke and Gibbons, and then we are Uh, and then from DTAC and then we're gonna have a uh, a discussion about use cases. So the idea of this is we're focusing on a number of use cases which we believe should be helpful and relevant to you and we'll try to focus around that. Okay, Um, next I'm just gonna quickly show what happened with the data protection timeline. So go back to 2015. I remember spending many, uh, many Saturday mornings going to the EFTA offices and looking at concepts around data protection that was going to apply in Thailand. That was 2015. All of that sat there for a while until early 2018, when a new and energetic permanent secretary in the Ministry of Digital Economy and Society picked it up with a new draft, and during 2018, we developed this law in a draft form. By September, the draft had pretty well aligned itself with GDPR in a major change in the drafting stage. And then uh, May 2019, it was gazetted to be fully enforced a year later. It's been deferred twice, and the way it's been deferred is by reference to 19 business fields. But government side of it kept operating so that they could get ready, is the idea. So it was only the downstream side, as we say, that was deferred. and then last year, 2021, we had three rounds of public consultation. We're gonna see later what that was all about at conceptual level. Early 2022, formulation, formation rather, of the Personal Data Protection Committee, we'll see in a slide later what that means, and a possible deferral of the application from 1 June 2022 for some time, possible deferral not confirmed, applicable to small companies. Without further ado, I'd like to call on uh, Kun Govarat, followed by Kun Bevanen from Chilpian Gibbons. Thank you.
4: So, thank you, Kun Gov, and good evening, everyone. So, it's a pleasure to meet you all here in person. So, my name is Stokat. You can call me Paul. I'm here with my colleagues at uh, Kunggu Ling, Corporate Chairs. Uh, we are from the Lekin a law firm based in Thailand. And we have a large office in around Southeast Asia. And um, today, we will uh, focus on the PDPA, overview of the PDPA, including uh, the application of the PDPA, the extensions. And the key definitions under the laws, and also the key requirements that require, especially for the data controller to comply with. So for the first slide. So for the first slide, um, as you may know, the PDPA is a primary law governing data privacy in Thailand, and it's already in that since two thousand and nineteen. <laughs> And because of the COVID situation in Thailand, the law gives keep, keep first, right? as Pumab said twice. And maybe the are maybe. But uh, according to the royal decree, the full enforcement is 1st of June this year So um, every organization in Thailand will be required to comply with the law especially on the parts of data controller and data processor obligations, which will be um, further discussed in the next slides. And uh, there may be a benefit for those who consider small business. The small business may be um, granted for press periods but not by not be required to comply with the PDP requirements. But this is just a uh, news, not confirmed, by the authorities. However, if in fact you are exempt by not complying with the law, but we still strongly recommend you to comply um, with the security standard because you, as a company, still have a risk under the thought law. And why? Why well, you need to? Uh, what we need the law, the privacy law, because. You need to strengthen and unify personal data protections to align with the global privacy standards like gdpr and where is the law enforced yes is obviously that if you are located in thailand and you process your personal data of the data subject in thailand you will be required to comply with the bb and for those who located outside of thailand there is a possibility that the foreigners will be required to comply with the law as well. But in certain circumstances, for example, if you um, offer goods or service to the data subject in Thailand, you will be required to comply with, it, with the requirements. And another one is if you uh, monitor behaviors of the data subject in Thailand, you also uh, require to comply with the law as well. I think it's similar to the GDI.
5: And for the exemption, to be kindly. Okay. Um, according to the PDPA, there are certain extensions to the PDPA, which are when you process personal data for personal or household activities, when you use it for the media purpose are tolerated, provided that you comply with the uh, professional ethics or the processing is for the public interest, or when you are the government agencies. Such as um, uh, anti money laundering, type police, or cyber security for the court proceeding or for the proceeding undertaken by the trade, National Trade Bureau or the legislative body.
4: Yes, next is the key definitions under the law. Uh, data subject is an individual who uh, possesses personal data. The data controller is can be individuals or juridics persons uh, who has authority to decide the collection using of personal data. And for the data processor, it's the opposite um, of the data controller. They just only follow the instructions and act on behalf of the data controller. Okay, next slide. I try to summarize the key requirements under the law diagram. This is to facilitate your understandings, but in brief, um, I divide into three sections. The collections, use, retains, and disclosure, and transfer. For the first sections, the first one, when you collect personal data, there are certain key requirements uh, requirements under the law that you need to be aware of. First. You need to identify the lawful basis. You need to uh, comply with the notification requirements. So, in, entire entire PIPA is uh, mentioned in section 23. So, certain information must be informed to the data subject before or at the time of the collection of the personal data. The third one is to um, collections of the personal data of the minors. So in certain operations of the of the business, there may be the case that you will be uh, you will collect the personal data of the miners. and this is one of the key requirements under the TPA PDP as well that you need to um, aware of. Uh, I divide the first section I into two sub um, sections. So you collect the personal data directly, and you collect your personal data from other sources. So in nowadays, uh, when, you, when you do the business, uh, you, you may contact uh, the data subject, not just only the face-to-face, right? You collect your personal data via an online platform, for example, via your website or mobile applications. So you need to um, set out the mechanism or the process. Uh, especially for the notifications management and consent management to ensure that you will comply with the, the notification and consent requirement at all. And a move to collection of the personal data from other source, sources. Uh, uh, the key requirement is the same, the same set as you collect directly from the data subject. But there are one thing that you need to be um, aware if you collect personal data from other source, and you rely, you need to rely on consent as a lawful basis, so you need to inform them firstly about the uh, information about the processing of the personal data, and then obtain the consent from the concept. And for the internal management, for the part two, section two, it's all about the internal processing of personal data. And I would like to focus solely on the security measures we take to really, um, this in these. The presentation. Okay.
5: For uh, security measures, even though the PDPA has not yet come into full force, the Ministry of Digital Economy and Society has issued a notification since 2020 to set forth the requirements for the data controller to implement certain security measures in order to protect the confidentiality, availability, and integrity of personal data. For example, the, uh, the notification of the ministry requires that you must set forth uh, user responsibility to prevent unauthorized access or unauthorized use of the personal data. You must inform your employees or any other personal that are related to the processing activities of the index notification as well as build their awareness so they know what they need to do to protect personal data. Then you need to um, designate a user access control to ensure that only those who have authorization can have access to personal data. You need to implement a monitoring system to ensure that you can track back how the personal data has been accessed, used, author erased in the past. And the IMDES Notification uh, allows you to use different security measures providing that such security measures must not be less- written, uh, sorry- rest-written than the requirements uh, required under the IMDES Notification. Actually, this investor Notification requirement is quite um, similar to those required under international standards such as the ISO 27001. So if your organisation has already complied with such standards, then it should be fine. However, it is also important to be noted that according to the PDPA, uh, after the PDPA comes into force, the Personal Data Protection Commission might issue another subordinate regulation to require that you implement different security standards than those required under the investment conditions. So you have to like uh, closely monitor the development of the laws.
4: We are running out of time, so I will go fast, sorry. So, apart from the security measures, you have to comply with monitoring systems for eventual personal data, preventions of unauthorized access to congested, data bridge management, data subject right management, and also the bridge of the DPO. And when you disclose or transfer personal data, you also have to think of the DPA, you have to if you contact with the data processors, the law require you to have like an agreement between the data controller and data processor with the so data processing agreement or the DPA. And when you transfer uh, the personal data to overseas, you need to comply with the border transfer requirements as well.
2: Thank you.
0: Very much good uh, operating and government If you have questions on their excellent presentation, please put them on the pigeonhole, and we'll come up later. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce Ms. Ria, who is here and here, and she has a very long CV. And maybe I will give the highlights. I give the highlights. Okay, fifteen years of professional experience, seven in internationally. Uh, organizations such as Nordic Innovation, EY Norway, Qatar, and Middle East and North Africa, guest lecturer at BI Norwegian Business School, and Christiana University College. IAPB certificate. So this is the International Association of Privacy Professionals. So that's a great uh, thing, a real expert. So let's hear about the GDPR, four years of experience. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Thank
3: you, everyone. Special thanks to the Chamber and Seven Peaks for hosting this and to my fellow presenters here today. I am super excited to be here talking about the GDPR. That's what's supposed to be an if where a guy is to the other
5: because that's how
3: people feel when they speak to me about the privacy and data protection. I guess we can't all share the same enthusiasm about this, but I am super enthusiastic about uh, this. Not the law per se, but the grounded concept. Uh, behind the great principles of the GDPR. This, I'm not gonna bore you with speaking about the whole history of uh, the GDPR, but the intention of showing you this slide is to show you that the region of Europe has a very long tradition and robust tradition in terms of human rights, privacy, and data protection. dating back to 1948 as we see, and of course with the major highlight here, the GDPR in 2018. If you were to read only one thing in the GDPR, that would be Article 5, which outlines the core principles of the GDPR, talking about the lawfulness, the transparency. One thing that I really want to point out to the SMEs here is the data minimization. People speak about data like the New oil, and uh, that it's so valuable, but sometimes data can be toxic, meaning that if you are storing much more data than you can, if you have a data breach, you have a huge liability, and the fines will be much, much larger. So if you're interested in GDPR, read about the time. It's actually pretty good. The risks of not complying. Uh, people speak about hefty fines. I'm not uh, too fond about uh, scaring people with fines and such, but it is, uh, of course, a uh, key thing to think about. Reputational damage can for some businesses be much worse if you are on the front cover of a newspaper with your huge data breach uh, and you're not respecting the privacy of the people that you sell things to and your business relations. That's not where you're going to find yourself in 2022. And, of course, you might lose sales. I talk to businesses all the time where they are actually losing business because they can't uh, talk to the clients about how they adhere to privacy and data protection rules, such as the GPR. And the challenges, of course, for the SMEs in particular. We don't have time for this. Oh, my gosh, we have a thousand things to do. And for once of us running one-person companies, with all the hats, how can we find time to do compliance on top of that? We don't have money to invest in this important work. We don't have any internal resources. We don't have our own legal teams or our own resources that can help us understand the law, let the law implement it. And of course, who cares? It's so boring, right? <laughs> I see some of you think it's boring, but it isn't, I promise you. Talking about compliance for the small businesses, what are the key tips from, especially in my four years of working with the GDPR, with uh, now numbering 100 plus companies that I work with directly, most of them are small businesses. Don't aim for 100% compliance, and I know that some of the law people here probably would disagree, But I can promise you one thing, and in my view, not even the data protection authorities themselves are 100% compliant all of the time. So please sleep better at night thinking that you don't have to actually aim for that uh, high threshold. The GDPR can be made a bit simpler. Uh, Here is a guide intending to make it simple with only 174 pages. Which brings with this, you have to understand the basics of the law. That goes through the GDPR, that goes through the PDPA, the CCPA, somebody mentioned acronyms. I have a lot for you, but focus on the basics of the law. Don't try to read the entire legal text and try to do all the things all at once. But one tip here. Only rely on credible sources, please. No Facebook groups and no random blog posts from people who aren't in this uh, industry themselves. Tip number three is to investigate your business. And this is, please, as the is the one thing I want you to take away from today is to go back home and look, or rather to the offices, and look at the systems you're using. On personal data that you're processing, what are you using, you have cloud storage, what are you using for your newsletters, your member invitation list, your events, accounting, all of that, where are you hosting all this personal data? Get that overview in place and you are off to a very good start GDPR, GDPR, or whatever we are talking about. Number four, uh, less is not more when it comes to the GDPR or uh, other similar laws. Uh, Or if you run uh, agile software projects, I know that we shouldn't be focusing on too much reporting meeting and documentation. But when you work with privacy and data protection, start a journal, a simple diary with dates and simple tasks, just so that you are prepared in case you get audited by the regulators and the authorities. Because even though you might not be 100% compliant or even 50 you can show them that we are actually working with this. We have a focus on this in our organization and business. And that will count for a lot for most of the authorities that I know of. And of course, again, simple reminder, that uh, do one thing at a time. Uh, don't try to do everything at once, compliance is a journey, and I hate to break it to you, but compliance is going to be uh, something you need to do going forward,
5: in line with accounting, taxes, and all of that other
3: boring stuff that I actually also think is boring. Sorry to the comments here. So uh, with that, I think uh, I am uh, actually ahead of time. Uh, so we spare in some time from uh, from the prior speakers. So this is just to end saying that I hereby consent to you for you sharing my personal data in case you need a uh, consultant. So thank you
0: so much. Thank you very much. So if you remember those seven tips, you have nothing to worry about. Sleep well about Our next speaker is a uh, vice president of the data privacy of the tech country. you, Are you in Welcome. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well thank you about well, an honor. To, it's an honor to be here. Uh the um, 30 minutes and time is running. Where we start. June 1st, tell? How would life be like on that day? Nothing. Everything's the same. You wake up in the morning, everything's still the same. The COVID's still with us. Everything is gonna be hot and raining. Nothing changes. But one thing you could notice is that the better subjects could be coming to your door. Not the authority. The authority in they have seven people who are working on this law. They're not coming out and check on you. But they would what they would do is that the they would announce that the enactment is on that day. So which means that the data subjects, if you are not the customer front, have a business, people will be coming to your door to be your own staffs, your vendors, anybody, if they feel, you know. That the uh, information is being used outside of necessity, outside of what you have informed them, they might be coming here. They have the right to ask how you have processed their information for the past month, two, three, whatever. Who have you shared the information to? They can ask. You, either you are a big company or you are small businesses. Do you know? Do you have the visibility? Do you have the visibility of all the processing within you? That's the first key. Now, if the data subjects come to yourself and you're not able to answer within the specified period of time that the law governs, then they could turn around and report to PDPC or DPA, whomever you want to call them. Thailand, we work on the accusational base, which means that when people file a complaint, they'll come to you. What would they want to see? They want to see the evidence of legal basis assessment. Are you processing personal information as per the contractual basis, or if you're doing anything outside, do you have a consent? That's a key, right? When you collect, when you use, or all kind of processing, are you basing everything with necessity and proportionality? That's another thing. Third, security, of course, right? Privacy and security is just like piece of carrots. I was gonna say but don't go, but anyway. Um piece of and carrots, you know, um <laughs> it goes together, right? But are they separate? They are separate, they are different. I'll explain that on the next slide. And then when I'm saying the processing inventory or you know, according to the PDDA, goes with the rota or the record of processing activities. Do you have that? Do you have the visibility of all the use of personal information within your organization or not? Right? On the right side, if you're not able to answer, you don't have the information, then that would trigger what? Legal penalty, of course. First thing you will be hit with administrative fine, right? If you fail. Second thing could be reputational downside or disadvantage or even losing trust. Right. Now, here's the key they want to show. What's data protection? It's like Rob just said. It's not all privacy. No. It's a combination of privacy and security. Operational governance controls within a company. Privacy and security would not work. Right? Some of the SMB, they don't have security. They don't have the systems. They just have laptops. How are you controlling that? The Operational controls of duties, reconciliation, those kind of things you can't forget, those are important too. Now coming back to this, data protection is a combination of data privacy. Privacy is all about transparency and the use of personal data. You tell the customers, you tell the subject, you tell your employees, you tell whatever. That's a contract, right? If they decide to enter the contract with you, we both win, right? Employees, they accepted the terms and conditions of the contract, they will be you get them as an the employee as a contract. The information that's generated from the main service, that's all you're allowed to use. If anything outside, you may need a consent, right? For so that key. Lawful use is about how are you maintaining the purpose limitation. You get the you collect the personal information to the basis of contract, right? How are you maintaining that the whole time? Of course, you should be in operational controls, technical controls. So everything is in your disability, right? The second side, security. Security does not go about legal basis. They don't care the accessibility, they don't care anything. Security cares about safeguarding. How am I identifying the information? You put information in in encryption, that doesn't mean you're satisfying with the privacy, right? If the objective is for the contractual basis, but you use it for marketing activities, even though you encrypt it, you still wrong with privacy. So going back to the basics, privacy and security go together. But privacy uses security as the key to maintain the purpose limitation. Right? So that's the the key. Oh! on the top thing, I was saying that the, the data protection law um, is on privacy, and then we have the cyber security law conference on security, of course, um, but that's the key. The cyber security law comments on large cases will so are uh, the critical um, infrastructure uh, information that's what they hold, but in, in a small business, of course, you uh, you can make a reference to the, um, the announcement by the Digital Economy Ministry, twenty five fifty three they tell you the minimum security you should have, even though you're SME, all simple signal that. fast. Our last talk uh, the um, transparency, of course, that's translated into contract consent, lawful use, whatever you tell them, you use it accordingly. And the third thing is that the full responsibility means that the, um, the responsibility that's not lie with the single individual, but anything, any organization, small or big company, of course the same. Keynotes. We got a month ago. No, two. For right. so two months, what are we doing now? You don't have time. You don't have to spend money. Fix the basic first without paying. Right? At least go back to your own home. business. Start thinking about what is your legal basis for your company. All the user personal information within your company, all the contract, all the user personal information, are they according to the legal basis or not? If they are not, you might be thinking about stop, or start collecting consent. If you can make reference to the um, section exercise, that's a good thing to study too. You know, everything you have collected prior, you still can use it, you have to inform the data subjects. And then give them the right to withdraw, right? But anyhow, so that's a proper lawful basis. And then the, if I said that already, if there's a, if there's a second objective, you might be thinking about the um, getting this hand. Right? There are subject requests. Have you announced? Have you declared? Whether if they have it, one second. Um, you know, clear wording. Are you ready to accommodate that? I said that earlier. Do you have any visibility? Uh, on how your personal information is being processed within the company. So that should have the, um, the effect on the data subject rights when you want to accommodate what they the are requesting for. Privacy by design, very quickly. You go with the legal basis, assessment for data use, personal information, onto necessity and proportionality. You don't use anything outside of necessity. Of course, operational and technical security control design. End to end, right? The last thing I want to say is the processing inventory It's very important to get that what allows you to have the visibility about the processing within the company that you end my presentation. Thank you, power.
0: Well, thank you very much for that last slide was a very, very practical way to do things and uh, I think it's extremely useful. So thank you very much. We're going to have a two minute break now while we set up this, so please replace your beverages, your snacks, um, etc. I think the biological facilities are out there if you need them, and we'll come back in two minutes. Okay, uh, here we are back again with 30 minutes to of time. So, uh, Everybody has met all of our panelists, so I don't need to reintroduce. So today, what we're going to do is look at um, uh, a few preliminary points and then get into the questions. So I'll just borrow the slide of the answer and try to remember how to do this. Okay, so very briefly, and I'm just going to run through some concepts here which just fill a couple gaps. So if we look at the Personal Data Protection Act, as enacted in 2019, it sets up a personal data protection committee down here. Anyway, um, That's in the base in the bottom, the two other main bodies are the, and that was formed early this year. There was an office of the PDPC, which is referred to as the office on the right hand side. And then there was a commission. Now, in terms of English translations, we all have always had problems with translating a word into committee or commission. It's not meant to be confusing, but there is uh, a term of art, there's a bit of a difference. So we might call the top left hand thing the PDTC Supervision Committee. Anyway, the point is there's sort of three main bodies, and it's a little bit complicated, but this is very typical. This is the governance last year we had public consultations at concept level on three groups of topics the first one you can see a lot of it was about consent um, rules and procedures on privacy notices uh, sensitive data which is about records about um, gender about medical records etc etc transborder trans- mechanisms secondly uh, the second group was about representatives um, about uh, consistency, data subjects rights, and the data processing. Group three, later last year, September, was about codes of conduct, um, automated processing, impact assessments, etc., international cooperation. So what happened to all these, all the feedback from this was put into, um, into uh, draft regulations. Uh, this is what was presented last September. Once the PC has been established, the full report, including feedback on the three projects, draft subject relations, master plan and draft guidelines would be presented and then there would come to be um, a a full set of the draft regulations. So here uh, in 49, 28 and 20 pages are the draft regulations that you can, obviously we're not going to look at them now, but they're there. Unfortunately, what is the status? The uh, concept level public hearings were very useful, extremely good, um, but after the PDPC formation, the draft regulations would have been published at the end of the last year, but the PDPC was not formed until early this year. They've been, let me say, quietly uploaded to the MDS website. There's little or no explanation of the logic of the contents, however, we can analyse them and see some precedent evident there. During the concept level hearings, parts of the draft regulations were used to illustrate concepts. Unfortunately, at this moment, with a very short time to go before we get into operational mode 1 June, there has been no organised public hearing yet or request for comment on the draft regulations. We sincerely hope there will be because it's going to be difficult for everybody to understand these before we get into it. So, what to do? And that's been the discussion about today. What to do? We've heard some excellent advice. We must not sit still. We have things to do. We have to take responsibility to get ready. The primary law is unlikely to change. So the devil is certainly in the detail of the regulations, but without knowing exactly what those regulations are, we still need to do the best we can to get ready. And you've had outstanding advice today in how to approach this. And We're going to discuss that a little bit further. Um, there may be a deferral, as the speakers have mentioned. It's not confirmed. There may be a deferral of for small companies, not SMEs as defined, but small companies, mini companies that uh, don't have a lot of data interaction. Exactly what that means, we don't really know yet. There may possibly be a delay to that, and I am told there may be plans not to levy heavy fines for a while, just to let people get settled in. Okay, so let's go on to our use cases, and we're going to approach these questions through use cases. So the first one is about email lists, and we have email lists all the time, and we love to use them because we can use them for marketing purposes, etc., etc. So the question is, what about these email lists? What do I need to do to respect the rights of the data subjects, and what essentially are those rights? Let me ask in a PDPA context, and all these questions should be very brief, okay? But let me ask who an first. Essentially, I have these email lists. What am I going to do? Okay, so I think
4: first you need to identify where you are such list of email is considered as personal data. Because some email cannot identify a person, right? So it's not considered personal data, and you don't need to comply with your PDPA. But if considered as personal data, then you need to comply with your PDPA requirements. Um, to comply with the data subject right request, you need to listen and respond to that request. Which means that under the law, they are have they have certain rights, and you need to um, respond to their request when they come to you and ask for um, ask to exercise their rights. So you need to set out like a data subject right management in your organizations. Maybe you need to have data uh, subject right request forms. This is like a formalities which is not required by law, but you may need to have it lay for the evidence to be reported. And because sometimes the authority may come to investigate and ask for that the piece of document. So this is to um, ensure that you comply with the yeah, subject by request.
0: Okay, thank you very much. From four years of experience with the GDPR, RIA, would you add anything to that?
3: Uh, yes, I think the one key point is what is personal data. So you really need to understand what is personal data, and as Paul said, like, is it a business email? Is it personal data? And here is a tricky thing, especially in the GDPR, that even though an email address is used for business purposes, in the GDPR, as long as you can identify an individual, it is indeed personal data so that is a huge uh, thing to be aware of because if i have an email address with my initials and i am the only person in the company
5: then my email address
3: is indeed personal data and then also it relates to the purpose as a country said earlier like you have to look at the purposes and do you have a legal basis for processing the emails on the email list did you get it uh, through a contractual agreement or did you buy lists from somewhere are you absolutely sure that those people obtained consent in the first place so go back to your lists emails or whatever and look at do you have a legal basis and what is the purpose of using this uh,
0: personal data okay thank you very much and the same thing in the pdpa is of course that it is data from which a person individual can be identified so let's move on to some of the pigeonhole questions and we have our Pigeonhole operator here, but uh, I'm going to I've got them here as well, so I'm going to pick up some of the pigeonhole questions. Uh, The first one is I organised an event. I want to share the data for marketing purposes with sponsors, etc. Can I do that? Why shouldn't I? I've got all your email information here, and you've come to this event. Thank you very much. Why can't I just share that with my sponsors and make money out of it? Dumontree, what do you think? So the
2: question is still about the email list, right?
0: It's about all the people who attended
2: here. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: Well
2: it's not doing yet. And, <laughs> and, and <laughs> to yet. <laughs> personal data, first of all, it's at the um PDPA or GDPR. Um, I could say that PDPA is actually it's actually the copy of page of GDPR. You can say that. Right. So the definition of personal data it goes about the Information that could direct to people directly or indirectly, right, to the individual without knowing name, right, that could be considered as personal data. I'll give you one example. If I could tell that the green um, and red rose to a person who is two hundred twenty centimeters tall in Piatai area. Say possibly because you don't have, you don't even have to know a name. But that um, and I mean, <laughs> 220 centimeters tall is not a lot, probably just one person in that area. Can you still do the offer? Yes, right? It doesn't have to be a red rose, an offer, um, a round trip ticket to, to Hong Kong to that person, you still can offer without knowing name. So coming back to the email list. I have the email list of the individuals there. In but I know you all are making a lot of money. I could turn around and make some or monetize the information here to the marketing company, right? The information turns out to be valuable. So the key is how the law, P D P or G D P R would come into protection of those, you know, of being out at the end of the um, the people who could be doing something outside of the factual basis, and, you know, for us as, as the patrol, not us, but rather all um, as a controller. So, email list to me, I think, this, the, um, could be deemed as personal data. Going back to the basic, if you are about to use it, why are you using it? Start asking yourself. Reply all should be stopped, right? You want to be sure the people in the list perhaps you want to do the reply all? The content the content confidential, um, confidentiality, right? to so be sure who you want to reply to. Right? Or if you want if you really want to reply all, do the YC. I think that's the best way to protect it. But are they personal data to me?
0: They are. So let me just explore very briefly what should I have done? Is there anything about consent or anything like that? What should I have done? If I wanted to share
2: that. If it's a trail of email, the conversation's been going on.
0: Right?
2: Um, first of all, if there is anything related to work related, if these people or, you know, all the participants in this room, if we all are 7 employees or Sheamus farmers, or we are part of the, you know, private business, the content of the email that's directed to them um, work it, I think you can do that. Because we are all under a contractual basis to begin with. You're employees, you are business partners, or anything. So the content versus the people whom you are directing the email to, that's the main key. So if anything happens, you can turn around start making points of why you are sending emails to this list of participants here. We have reason to, to get them.
0: Okay, so thank you very much. Let's move on to the next use case, customer supplier lists, okay, and I've got these lists and uh, I may need to, uh, I may want to disclose them. I've got a question for you, good Um Do I need to say, in collecting data, do I need to say anything about what I'm going to use it for? So, for example, if we look at the three stages, there's uh, collection, use, disclosure. Do I need to say anything to people or do I just get it and use it? Get it and use it for anything I want. Have a second.
5: Okay, so according to the PDPA, you need to inform the data subjects of certain information on how you will process their personal data. For example, what categories of personal data that you will process, for what purpose whom you will disclose, what are the retention period, and what are their rights, for example. So, uh, in the event that you want to use the customer or supplier's personal data, The answer is that yes, you need to inform them of the purpose and the parameter category of personal data as required in Section 23 of the PDPA. So this one is generally done by the use of the privacy notice or privacy policy that you may have already seen uh, that um, many companies have already implemented. Okay.
0: We're We're having problems with the personal sound. Yeah. Okay, um, let's move on to the next use case and to the member list. So let's think of something we maybe are a members' organization, like a chamber of commerce or something like that, and we think of ourselves as part of a community, and we join that community because we trust the organization and we think that that organization is going to look after our data well. Okay, I'm sure this applies equally in the GDPR context as well as the So let's hear from we as experience on member organisations, and I'm going to give you the microphone. Yes, I think one important thing to remember about any kinds of
3: email lists or lists with personal data is that the purpose is connected to the lawful grounds of processing, meaning that you have to define the purpose of processing the personal data in the first place. So let's say that that is to allow a uh, uh, to become a member.
1: So that is the purpose, and the legal
3: grounds could be a contractual basis, for example. So if you want to use uh, Bob's personal data for other purposes, strictly speaking, in the GDPR, you need a lawful basis for each and every purpose, unless they are very, very tightly linked. So you need to look at those, that specific use case. Uh, if we go back to the email list, I would say that uh, you should, before the GDPR, a lot of companies, they were just sharing all of the participant lists and the event lists with their, either the highest bidder or their collaboration partners. But that pretty much stopped with the GDPR. And this is also related to marketing groups. So you have to be aware of the marketing laws in addition. And in the GDPR, now you, you have to, if you want someone for an event, you would usually see like several tick boxes asking for an explicit consent to share your personal data with uh, partner 1, 2, and 3, for example. Uh, others, they try to tie it into the terms of conditions. So they base it on a contract where they say that if you decide to attend our event, then you also uh, allow us to share your personal data. And this is a huge uh, minefield in the privacy of the data protection field. So uh, what I would ensure, and my best advice in this respect is to, again, know what you have, ensure that you have a purpose and a lawful basis for the processing, and make sure that you are transparent. You can take down a lot of requests and red flags uh, with people if you are just honest about how you use the personal data.
0: Thank you. So key message from that is that you've got to be clear about the purpose for which you are collecting the data. And I'll just ask a corollary question. How long can I keep it? Can I keep it forever? Or is there some principle about only collecting it for my very useful business purpose and then I have to destroy it after that? (laughs) Is there something you would like to consider? About the time how long do
5: you take it? Okay, so according to the PDPA, there is no specific requirement, uh, no specific timeline of which you can retain the personal data. However, the principle that underlying the PDPA says that you have to uh, collect personal data to the extent of necessity and relevancy to the purposes of which you will present the personal data. So if you do not have a lawful purpose, then you should not retain it. Further, the obligation of the data controller imposed by the PDPA is that you must uh, implement a monitoring system to ensure that personal data that is no longer relevant or no longer required must be deleted or erased after the retention period or when the data subject withdraw consent or whenever the PDPA prescribes. So you cannot retain personal data indefinitely like Mm -hmm. most of the companies that we represent do you need to set a specific timeline by considering that um,
0: what are the lawful purpose and what are the needs to retain that data. Okay, thank you very much. We we'll move on to the next use case, which was the event participation data. We've probably covered probably a lot of this. But let me add a twist to this tale. It turns out that we, we're a pretty sophisticated marketing people and we need to get some help in analyzing this data. We've got thousands of people at our event we don't have in-house all the tools to do that, so I have a service provider, and I need to send this data to the service provider, they're based in the cloud, and I don't know really what country they're in, so what do I do? Now, I'm going to ask who about this initially, and then we're going to come back to Gunnopra, who's going to tell us about Section 28, so agree at first.
3: You're opening up a real beast file there, Bob. <laughs> I don't know how many issues we have uh, with that uh, scenario. But um, So first of all, you have to look at the purpose again. And then you have to define the lawful basis of processing depending on the purposes for which you are processing the personal data. And uh, there might be nothing wrong with sharing that data with uh, an analytics company. But uh, I guess you mentioned the, the using it in the cloud um, because of uh, So you have something called a transfer ruling, which pretty much makes any transfer of personal data to a third country, which could be the US, for example, uh, very, very complex and difficult uh, these days. And again, I just want to go back to the basics, like know what personal data you are processing, know the purpose, know the lawful basis, get the records of processing activities up, and uh, try to get that overview with you, first and foremost. And then I would suggest you start looking at, like, who are we sharing the personal data with? Do we need to stop sharing it? Like uh, what he was mentioning here earlier. And uh, then, yeah, just have the basics in order. Because if you start worrying about all the data transfers before you even know the basics of the PDBA or the DDR you're going to be overwhelmed. So uh, I think overview is a key word here to know what you hope and what you're processing.
4: Yeah, to add on, I would like to um, staying in the perspective of using cloud service. So some of the companies use technologies to retain personal data, right? And some companies have a question around that as well, whether or not sending data to cloud sender Consider cross border transfer or not. So we have to consider whether uh, such such a transfer considered cross-water. So you need to um, analyze uh, in relation to the sending of personal data. So first, you have to um, ensure whether any person outside of Thailand can access to data that retain in the online storage. For example, the cloud systems. If the answer is yes, the cross-border transfer requirement will be triggered. And as the data controller who's based in Thailand, you will be uh, required to comply with the cross-border requirements under Section 28. And apart from um, Section 28, if that person who located outside of Thailand is your affiliate company or your group company, you can um, gives the exemptions under other uh, section as well by relying on VCR, like in corporate rules or in terms of transfer events. This is one of the exemptions for transferring to the
0: affiliates of the companies, thank you. Okay, excellent. Let's move on to the next use case, um, employee records. We're just gonna spend one minute on this because there's obviously gonna be certain sensitive data, section 26, involved in employee records. So let me just ask without covering the whole thing what would be two things that you would be most concerned about in terms of employee records and special protection i'm going to ask each of you just very very briefly quick question quick response okay um explicit consent will be required
4: under section 26 right so you will have to identify first whether or not the employee personal data is considered sensitive personal data under the PDPA there is no definition for sensitive personal data, but the, the law provides an example of the sensitive personal data under Section 26. So mostly it's, uh, it's related to health data, biometric data, because some, some commonly used like a uh, fingerprint for, uh, to access the door, or maybe the, um, what I say, address, I I yes yes. And yes, biometric data, health data, or maybe sometimes criminal report. This kind of sensitive personal data will require the, the data controller to obtain explicit
0: consent. Explicit from consent. From okay, very consent. good. Okay. Quick responses to this question. <laughs> Quick
3: yes. Know what sensitive data you might be processing. Second, delete what you no longer have only legal grounds for processing.
0: Very good point. Delete what you don't have the. Have open good laundry, Very good.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, contractual basis, of course, and then the I didn't find necessity legal basis uh, prior to the information you are collecting, and then if it's anything outside of the employment contractual basis, you may need a explicit consent prior. Okay. Whoever, response. Okay.
5: Um, what the three speaker has said just now. Uh, I would like to draw your attention to the social security, sorry, the labor protection law, which requires that you must maintain the information of employees. So, as long as you maintain the information that requires that you can rely on the legal obligation.
0: Okay, very good. Now, um, before we get on to that, I'm going to just ask two questions very briefly from the, the pigeonhole. PDPA is also related to and complied with, as the question reads, with protection of like banking and financial data, passwords, balance, credit card, and secret codes. How does the PDPA govern this, if at all? Good wondering.
2: Quick answer? Well, PDPA does not govern now, but reference to the industry standard. What okay. could be PCI DSS, ISO 27001. I told him yeah. it could be anything, but PDP itself does not govern on how, but rather it says
0: you should have adequate or solid protection. Protection, okay. Yeah. There's a couple of questions here. Uh, the difference between the data controller and the data processor. I think this was well covered by the two key and given slide, so we don't need to address it again. The data controller is the primary person, the data processor works under the direction of the data controller. There are very interesting issues about liability of each. We won't go into that right now. Practical question. CRM programs, customer relationship management programs and line business app. How do these reflect, how do these sit with the PDPA? How about Google shared files? Normal practices are really just to share these things without worrying too much. What should we be worried about? good um, number right. quick response.
4: I think the cross-border transfer requirement again. Okay. Because um, the Google share drive can access other persons that look like living outside Thailand. So the issue of the cross-border transfer requirement must be um,
0: considered. Okay, so that brings in, could Monty, Google, or Korea, do you want to
3: make? Yeah, I just want to make a, a quick comment there. It goes back again to, to you have to know what you have, and you have to make sure that you protect the personal data because the law isn't called uh, the privacy law, it's called the general, data protection regulation. So you have to protect the data. You can't allow access, for example, for all your employees to all the personal data within your company, most likely. So in the CRM system, in the uh, account, the Google accounts, for example, make sure that you know that, but at least from a GDPR perspective, you can't allow access to just whomever or share it
0: with whomever. So okay. that's also All right. I am now going to turn to a not-so-favorite topic, of privacy policy. In the last few weeks I've done a survey of major well-known brands around Thailand. I'm not going to mention them. And what I've seen is a massive, fully compliant GDPR policy used by some, no mention of the PDPA. Others have used entirely PDPA, many, many, many pages with no reference to GDPR. Others have used, try to do a mix of them, and others did a one pager with three lines on it. So this is an extraordinary range of responses. What, what we are gonna try and do in this business community going forward is we're gonna to try to come up with some standards and suggestions about how to approach your, your privacy policy. There may not be any such thing as a model policy that you can just grab and stick on your website. There may not be, but let's try to help people to get to a privacy policy. I want to go back and just wrap this up. I want everybody to just mention one final piece of device. 20 seconds, one final piece of advice. Starting with you, Dr. Rath. I think first, you need to um, identify
4: which sector you are. you in, sorry. So if you have financial sectors, in the financial sectors, or telecommunication operators, that is a specific regulation that you need to um, take into consideration as well, apart from the PDPA, because, for example, the OIC, insurance company, they have like a guideline for um, processing of the personal data, which including the data privacy,
0: uh, okay. private services. So different so. sectors have different guidelines. Know who you are. Yes. Very good point. Do agree?
3: Breathe. Don't panic. And don't aim for 100% compliance. Finish the first task that you start working on and don't keep coming back to the PMB and GDPR over and over again because going to waste a lot of time. So stay focused in
2: your work ahead and the best of luck to all of you. I like that. Good one for Well, um, three simple words. Uh, the uh, Transparency, of course. Um, be, trans- be transparent about what you do. Uh, it can be communicated with privacy policy obligation, contract, or even a consent. Be sure that each one of them has the objective or I mean the contextual objective clearly and separately. Second thing is the lawful use of data that you have. Use it as per the context that you have informed the customers. And the very thing that the we, if, you know, uh, small business, SME, um, or a large corporate, we should have the visibility of the processing of the personal information within um, your company. That it should be brief when
5: possible. However, you should still ensure that you have the privacy policy it has contained all information that is required by under the PDPA. Otherwise, you will be at risk of breaching the PDPA and administrative fine will be imposed on
0: you. Okay, so thank you very much. I just want to mention in wrapping up, we are in an imperfect situation. We do not have the finalized regulations, and trust me, all the detail about how this actually operates is there. But The primary law is not going to change. We need to take responsibility to get ready. We've heard today on how to do this, but we, on our side, will try to talk to the government to get a proper public hearing on the final regulations and get those in place. And now we've come to the time where we ask the Vice President of the the Ouija Chamber to say a few words about pizza, I think.
1: I think I've already spoken about the pizza, but uh, the pizza is uh, here. Thank <laughs> you to the Tiny Virgin Chamber of Commerce. So a big applause for us. <laughs> <laughs> there are two other sponsors for this uh, this evening, and uh, I'd like you to come up here for a second. Is she going to give so Joosten is one of the owners of Seven, uh, Seven Beaks, and I think you should say a little bit about your company. You are sponsor of the space, of the beer, and he's always very, very supportive to the Chamber.
4: All right, uh, thank you very much for um, for First of all, thank you for all the, the speakers.
2: Um, also as a representative of the um, board, of the Chamber, um, I'm very happy to see all of you here. Um,
4: as well as the 70s. Uh, so 70s here are a national software and design agency for the last, what, eight years, uh, primarily working uh, with Thai clients from the enterprise, um, as well as quite a lot of projects were Scandinavian. So, of course, GDPR is uh, necessary evil, something we need to, uh, to know about. And, uh, and we just actually started kicking off all the applications now related to this. Um, because, again, this is a very important part now for, for every digital project. So, enjoy. Have uh, some pizza, some beer, meet uh, some new friends, go and exchange emails.
2: Uh, that makes sense. Uh, all right, thank you.
1: And for those of you who are not drinking beer, we also do have some wine here today. So, if I can ask Matteo from Texas to come and say a few words.
4: Thank you, thank you, so much, and thank you for seven for having us here tonight. Uh, we are uh, an Italian uh, uh, importers in Thailand, in Thailand for over ten years right now. So we set up a corner over there where we today you can uh, enjoy three different kind of uh, Italian wines, and of course, if you like it, you'll be able to purchase it, and we will deliver it to your door. So <laughs> thank you so much uh, again for inviting us here tonight, and. Uh, please come to see us in our corner. I would be happy to share some wine with you. Thank you.
1: And before we're giving a small gift to the to the speakers, uh, we do a little bit of branding for them too. We have Tilik and Gibbons here, who is one of our members. And Tilik and Gibbons is, of course, one of the best law firms in town. So if you have any issues on PDPA, these are the ones that you need to go to. Then we have Ditac. Now, of course, the best <laughs> telecom provider in the <laughs> best telecom provider in Bangkok, and I'm sure that they're really keeping our privacy oh, right on track.
2: Thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And Ria, she's new in town. Now she is sniffing on doing some business here, so I'm just telling to those other chambers that are here, I'm sorry she's already taken.
5: She's our member.
1: But having said that, you can be a member of more than one chamber. So start working on her. And Bob? Thank you, I know that he was supposed to be in Singapore, but uh, extended his uh, stay here in Thailand for a few days so he could be here today. Uh, He's always extremely supportive of uh, our events. He is uh, very knowledgeable in the area. And if you want to learn more from Bob, that means number one, you have to be a member of a chamber. If you're a member of a chamber, then you are a member of Joint Foreign Chamber of Commerce and you are welcome to join the Digital Economy and ICT Committee. So, that was a little bit of branding here. Now, we have some small giveaways. By the way, the book that we have here, some of you have seen it, but this is uh, Sjola travel through Norway. And it's a really good uh, visual to see his travel then and how Norway is
5: now. May I invite Kun Noparat and Kun Gabriel together?
1: before we're feeding everybody, can we have, join for one group photo up here. We will do it with masks, we have to be careful, but we do allow you to eat without the masks. So please can everybody join for a group photo.